This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. And, yeah, it's, I like the name at first. <laughs> it grew on me, and now it's growing away from me. I don't know what, what what's happening here, but I'm happy you came, and I would like to also burst your bubble because you i text you to see if you're on the way and you sent me a gift of the ultimate warrior sprint into the ring and it made me so happy because i loved the ultimate warrior when i was a kid but you know he races right he's he's also uh, he's also dead so you know oh. i feel like you oh, know you know he whatever. was racist right <laughs> well i do but you know wrestling is where i mean you know wrestling is just a place where uh we just accept all the racism that they have bestowed upon us for for 30 or 40 years my entire childhood i could name all the racist uh oh, characters did you like did you did you recognize it so like as i've been learning as i've been reading your book is obviously you grew up in a house where your father was a civil rights leader and mm-hmm. deeply ingrained in the movement so were you aware because i wasn't aware when i was watching it when i was a kid like looking uh-huh. back on it i was like damn that was hella racist. But uh, at the time, I didn't recognize it. Were you like watching it, experiencing all the racism or no? Nah? Well, my dad was watching it with me. Oh. <laughs> he was so, like, he introduced me to wrestling. He was just like, yeah. He wasn't critiquing it. He was watching it like, yeah, junkyard dog. Yeah, yeah he was he was critiquing it <laughs> and we were enjoying it. You just gotta accept it. It's just like it's just society as a whole. Wrestling's a microcosm of the world we live in. You just like, you know, uh, let's just accept. That um, you know, Papa Shango does voodoo. Mm, whatever, who cares? You know, and then he's also the same guy who plays Papa Shango goes on to play a pimp. Like what? You yes. know, whatever. Or that, or Crime Time. Who can forget Crime Time? So you know, we could do this. I don't watch it anymore. I assume they've gotten better, but probably not. It doesn't matter. So where you want to take us this week, Mister Dennis? I want to talk about uh fighting because I want to talk about well. I mean, everybody's been talking about Draymond and Jordan Poole, obviously. And, you know, we can go back and forth about who was right, who was wrong, Draymond wrong. And, like, the idea of sucker punching or wasn't a sucker punch. But, like, it really I'm, – I'm interested in your thoughts on, like, the idea of fighting in general. Like, because it really – like, watching the video affected me because, like, I, as a kid, I used to fight a lot. Like I used to have a really bad. I'm I'm very you know I'm mild mannered mm-hmm. young man now, but I used to have a really really bad temper, and I used to fight all the time. And like I know that space of being like that, you know, mm-hmm. and what it takes to not be like that. But I was also watching. I was like, it made me think about myself because I was like, if I were Jordan Poole, I'm not sure I could do anything but try to kill that man for the like you know like I was really like, how do you move on from that and fighting in sports so like the video changed it because when i first heard the story i was like hey whatever fight in practice it happens i played football we had lots of fights in practice and it happened watching the way it went down and also football fights are different we all have pads on and Mm -hmm. it's kind of uh understood like a training camp we saw this offseason every offseason like training camp fights happen all the time it feels like my timeline is full of them and that's what i thought of when I heard a fight in practice. And then I saw the video and I was like, this is ugly. Like I didn't, mm-hmm. and I should know by now that I need to be careful with what I say until the video comes out. Because right. like, I was <laughs> like a little bit ashamed of my take pre-video 
because I was kind of downplaying it and mm-hmm. saying like, and also arguing that like the whole Draymond thing is this team, like in the finals last year, it was like a case study and Draymond's attitude brings something to this team that mm. no one else's attitude can bring. And it's something that they also need. So I was just like, man, coming off a championship to have the intensity that you fighting in practice is like, that's how you repeat. That's how you do right. things like this. But then I saw it and it was clear that Jordan Poole was like, we didn't hear the words, but it felt obvious that Jordan Poole was like standing up for himself, but also not interested in actually fighting. And, right. and uh, you just tend to, when you have these type of fights, it's like in hockey, they throw their gloves down and they like, it's clear what we about to do. Right. You know? right. And, yeah. and there was no throw the glove down moment. And he just, he, he rocked them. And right. it was embarrassing as hell for both of them. And one thing I would say for Draymond is it felt like in the press conference afterwards, it felt like he was like genuinely contrite. Like he wasn't reading off notes. He didn't mm-hmm. seem to want to like justify his actions because I feel like there's a lot of apologies that people give and apologies that I've given in the past are like when I've yelled at my kids or something and like, I Mm -hmm. feel like I need to like apologize to them. My apology is often like, I'm sorry for how I reacted, but you shouldn't have done X, Y, and Z, (laughs) which is like, "Mm, that's not setting an example for them or how you should handle this. But Draymond, it didn't seem like he was like, man, at no point did I feel like he did say that he's going through some stuff in his personal life. But the way that came across to me wasn't him saying uh, that was the excuse as much as it was just like give you guys a full context. But he took full responsibility and he brought up Jordan Poole's family, which I thought was an interesting kind of uncomfortable thing. But also Mm. my guess, you said that Jordan Poole, if you were him in that situation, like you feel like you would want to kill him. Like this is so different than any other situation because it's so public. And, like, I kind of feel like Jordan Poole and Draymond are going to be all right before anybody else around them is all Mm. right about it because they are at the eye of the storm. They're both embarrassed right now, and they both, like, have some shame. And I think my guess is they'll come together around this, and at some point Jordan Poole will make some sort of comment that lets Draymond off the hook. But uh, it might take a little while. Yeah, I, the apology was interesting because, like, I, I I did think it was genuine, but also, like, I'm really wary of people who are really good at apologies because they're so used to giving them. You know, like, you get, like, when you, I, I mean, I, I dream, I'm not going to, he's not, I'm not saying he's an abuser or nothing like that, but abusers are, like, really good at apologies because they, they know how to do that and, and make it. So I think his action is going to be the the changing thing here. Like, I think for me, it was like, I think at some point when you're fighting, I think it sort of stops when you realize that like at some point when you're kids and you're fighting, but then you get to a level where you're like, I could like, this is like, there are stakes to these fights. You know what I'm saying? Like when the first time you see something like bad happen to somebody or you're in a scary situation. So I think that was sort of what I was thinking about. Like that punch could have gone like, like, you know, uh, with the bulls um, a couple of years ago, they broke, um, uh, what's his name's jaw, you know, in, in the, in, in a practice fight. And so, Oh yeah, that was, um, Meritage when Bobby Portis. Right. Hit him. right. Fortunately, we didn't get any tape uh, of that. Cause that probably look, uh, but I guess it's, 
you mentioned how you fought a lot growing up. I didn't fight a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of a, it feels weird to say like soft because I played so much football. I wouldn't say that I was soft, but I was a bit of an overthinker. And that when you mm-hmm. talk about the consequences, I would think about the consequences and I would be like, oh, man, I'm good. I don't want to get kicked out of school. I ain't <laughs> right, that mad. Yeah. Like, I, I don't like her that much or whatever mm-hmm. the fight was about, like through elementary school and through middle school. And in high school, it's like a lot of like near fights. But then in college, mm-hmm. weirdly, I got in more fights because like it was football team fights. We go out and I didn't drink in college, but my teammates mm-hmm. would. And then there'd be a fight. And that, guess what? They in a fight. We in a fight. <laughs> you right. know, and, and it felt so weird, too, because we were like. Not killing machines, but like everyone in college is in college. They drink and they right. have a good time. We working. And it right. felt so terrible <laughs> to be like fighting in the in, at a frat house or in a bar, just out here sleeping these random <laughs> kids who are not working out six times a, a week. But anyway, I had a uh, one of the things you said made me think about Draymond is it'll be interesting. I think you said it'd be interesting to see how Draymond reacts going forward. Mm -hmm. And that comes to the basketball side of this. I've come to believe and accept the narrative around Draymond Green, the basketball player, is that he needs this edge Mm -hmm. to be good. And the team needs his edge because that ain't who they are like right Steph clay like nobody on that team comes across as got that dog in them they got different Mm -hmm. versions of the dog but like they need it so like draymond will have a spotlight on him for the rest of the season and part of what he brings to the team and again maybe this is oversold maybe it's not but I think we all can accept that Draymond's general disposition brings more value to the team than it takes away. Mm-hmm. But can he be that person this season on the heels of what just happened? Yeah, that's the thing is that like when you start overthinking that stuff, like you said, like you mentioned, like when you, you know, I mean, I think there was always this idea that the, like we'd seen the worst of what Draymond could do. Yeah. Like he, like nut nut punches and kicks, right? Yeah. Nut punches and kicks, and you cost the team the the championship, you know, among amongst other factors, and that was the worst. And now we have a floor that is to- so totally different than the floor we had before. And I think the problem, the main problem to me with if we're talking the basketball aspect of it is that the same thing with KD is that this contract stuff was in the periphery, you know, of the Warriors, like, and he with that move, put it to the forefront because now we're talking about, is he angry about the contract? Who's going to get signed? Pool Wiggins. Like now he's made it a, a conversation in a way that it wasn't before. Same thing with Kevin Durant. Like that fight made the Kevin Durant trade even bigger deal in that locker room and in the, in the media than it was before. But, you know, I, I if he can't get to the point where he can – just be himself. And we've seen it before, like that, that thunder, that Oklahoma thunder series and the Celtic series. Like once he started getting those technicals and those flagrant fouls, he started overthinking and that team was falling apart because he could not, he didn't feel like he could be himself. This show is sponsored by better help. We all carry around 
different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage, to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. From one um, guy with uh, anger issues, to another, I saw you wrote about the uh, baby. Yeah, he was like one of my favorite artists a few years ago. Um, it felt like he was a '90s rapper, like the rappers I grew up with, and like the the mythology around him was like it added to the allure. I think that made him popular in the music, and he was making bangers like he was making right. good music and and i think some of that has changed with the things he yelled at the the concert and also the video of the walmart incident got out but um what are your thoughts on all this stuff yeah so the baby has been has been sort of this uh patron saint of cancel culture <laughs> ideas over the last couple last since he made the, the statements at rolling rolling loud which for those who do not know, we made a bunch of homophobic statements and comments on stage about 
AIDS and HIV and connections to well, I, I'm I'm really cleaning it up in a in a way that it should not be cleaned up. But you should look up and see what what he said. But um, his album, latest album, came out a couple weeks ago, and it did did not do well. Sixteen thousand records sold, which is nothing compared to the millions of records he sold in 2019, 2020 when he first popped on. I agree. Like he was a rookie of the year slash MVP 2019, which was like a, an amazing run. I, but people are, you know, relating the failure to this idea of cancel culture and that you just can't say anything and your career is over. But the fact is the ba- baby has not been making good music. Like his music is bad. Like he has been making the same, you know, that same flow that we like that was nineties that like, he has not changed his flow at all. And the music is bad. And sadly, if he were making good music, he would not be canceled. Like you can say whatever you want and do whatever you want to anybody. As long as people like your music. Yeah. I think that's like, very true. So, like, we can take it bigger than the baby. And I guess this conversation has been had a bunch of times. The idea of cancel culture, whether it's real or fake, I don't know mm-hmm. if it's worth diving into. But right. quality, like, mm-hmm. is we're not going to give up quality. Like, we can go through the list of people who are putting out good stuff. And, like, I don't think that the baby can argue that cancel culture. I don't know if he is arguing it, but he specifically can't argue it because his stuff's still out there. Right. If people choose and if he if the argument is people won't listen to my music because I said things they don't like. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're banned from Apple Music. You aren't off Spotify. Like I think that's fair of anybody. And I guess people who get deplatformed, and like I know Kanye is one who currently his uh some of his social media has been frozen because of his uh recent uh I was going to say comments, but it's just it's just everything. It's just all of yeah, Kanye, yeah. that stupid sweatshirt, all the stuff that he's doing is put him in a situation. But that's not true for the baby. And it's not true for Kanye either. His music is still readily available. So I, I don't know with the way that how easy it is to disseminate your material, especially for artists. It's like cancellation is not a thing that is real. You put it out there and people will find it if they want it. Maybe you can't be on all the mainstream platforms, but you can find a platform. And for the baby, he's on the mainstream platforms, and just his music sounds the same. And he's currently touring, like he's out in the world <laughs> making making music. You know, like his like the baby will have a career for the rest of however long he wants to have a career. He just won't be, you know, the most famous rapper in the world anymore. You know, and I think there's a in, embedded in that is a homophobia that these gay folks have this secret Illuminati of power that you can't say anything about. And the same thing with Kanye West and his anti-Semitism that like Jewish folks rule the world and you can't say anything about them in your career. Kanye said death con three. Like he said, like that was a, a genocide comment that he made. You can't say it about anybody, <laughs> you know, like they will deep platform you for saying genocidal things like, and, we, we can't just be out here saying like, well, you can't offend the gays, can't offend the you can't offend it, you know, like because they will, you know, take everything from you like that in itself is, you know, attacking them in, in, in a very, you know, dangerous way. Wow. All right. You got anything else for us or you want to wrap it up for the week? Uh, I think I'll wrap it up for the week. But since we were talking about wrestling, 
I have a like a 5000 word article that came out uh, like in April about like the state of black wrestlers and like going through all the really cool black wrestlers and how far they've come because there are a lot of really dope black wrestlers out there. So it is on a site called Anscape. Uh, oh, nice. Go check it out. I'll find it and share it. I love it. Appreciate you, David. All right. Thanks, man. Keep enjoying that book. <laughs> I, I'm working <laughs> on it. I'm going to get there eventually. I got two chapters down. All right. I'm to finish that thing. It is outstanding. Everyone should get it. Yes, sir. Movement made us. Go, go get it. There we go. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.